1: I think Vivek Wamaswamy, friend of the show, thinks that the Super Bowl is going to be rigged and Taylor Swift is going to endorse Biden. Personally, there's no chance it's going to be rigged, and I don't care whether she endorses Biden. We got a lot of college basketball from last night, including my boys right here. The Hoosiers got it done with a guy that actually cared. Draymond Green is not part of USA Basketball, and he should not be part of We got Sylvie from Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie joining us. You want Caleb Williams? You want Justin, what's his face? Feels, I don't know. The real Jim Beheim talking college basketball. Stay right here. Don't have me starts. When? 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 Right now. <music> Rivak baby, you could have been a contender. See, I'm not one of those that's ever gonna believe, ever, ever, ever going to believe that elections, well, I believe elections are rigged. There's 100%, no doubt about that in my mind. I mean, I grew up in Northwest Indiana. I mean, where a guy came to my dad's house and said, hey, I want to sign up the empty lot. My dad told his buddy who's running for city council, look, we don't own the empty lot. Melhams do. He went over there and signed up the empty lot and got a few votes. Don't tell me elections aren't rigged. But I got to tell you, I don't think Super Bowls are rigged. I don't. I know there's a lot of, hey, look, it is scripted. Hey, look, here's the script for the day. You're going to get a penalty here. You're going to do it. There's no chance. You know why? This. People talk. Loose lips sink ships. How many people would have to be involved in fixing a Super Bowl? Vivek Ramaswamy, he is predicting, not necessarily a fixed Super Bowl, but he is predicting that this fame, this extended fame that has come with the Kelsey and the Chiefs and the Taylor Swift Alliance is going to result in Taylor Swift endorsing Joe Biden at the Super Bowl. Does it affect you? Here's what Vivek Ramaswamy had to say. I wonder who's going to win the Super Bowl next month. And I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially cultured, propped-up couple this fall. Just wild speculation over here. Let's see how it ages over the next eight months. Here's the thing about Ramaswamy that I really like. When he puts things out, they usually come true. It's like the Republican Party and conspiracy theories. When people on the right put things out, all of a sudden it's discussed as conspiracy. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Oh, I got called by the great Indianapolis star that I work for a far right wing conspiracy theory website. I don't know, we just talk some sports and politics here and react to what most other people are doing, but I guess that's an easy thing to say. But Ramaswamy is saying, hey look, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are part now of the bourgeoisie. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are gonna make an endorsement for Joe Biden. Look, if I'm Joe Biden, I absolutely want Taylor Swift making an endorsement for me. If I'm Joe Biden and my record low 27% approval rating, I want anybody that has an approval rating over 60, which I assume Taylor Swift does, a Q rating that is high. I want them all not only endorsing me, but I want them on my payroll. These people, these people being politicians of today, have made zillions of dollars being politicians. And Joe Biden, on his $270,000 salary as a career congressman, has somehow, some way, parlayed this into not one, but two over $5 million mansions. Do you know how much it costs? Do you know how much it costs to pay for two $5 million mansions a month? lot more than a $270,000 senatorial salary. So they love the power. It is enticing. It is intoxicating. So what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. That means you'll do anything to keep it. How do you keep it in the modern day? Well, like Ramaswamy said, you go get Taylor Swift. Now, here's the question. Would Taylor Swift or any influencer influence your vote? Now, everybody's going to say no. The world is going to say no, because who wants to be known as the guy or girl that gets influenced by Taylor Swift? Why did you vote for Biden? Well, you know, Taylor Swift told me, and I thought she was right, because she's like Oprah. She will set me free. No, you don't want to be known as that, so everybody's going to say no. But if I'm Biden, i got to tell you. Why do you think? You know, people say, well, no. Nobody really gets influenced by influencers. Why do you think the NBA takes the day off so you can go vote? Do you think all the African-American players of the NBA that grew up voting Democrat, all that stuff, major cities, you think they really are doing it so that all of us can get to the polls to vote conservative, Republican? Of course not. Now. All those rich African Americans, if they're smart, and they are, are gonna vote conservative. They're gonna vote Republican. But the idea is they gotta stay down in the hood. They gotta stay connected to their peeps. So they're gonna tell you hey, look, take the day, make sure you go vote. They ain't wanting you. That is a code for go vote for liberals. Well, That's exactly what Taylor Swift is. Taylor Swift says, go vote. She don't want you to vote for a conservative. She don't want you to vote for uh, Trump or whomever. She wants you to vote liberal. And if I'm Joe Biden, man, am I taking that bad boy for a test spin. Man, am I putting that thing out there and I am saying, Taylor, baby, Kelsey, let's go. Now, I don't know whether Kelsey has any suck, in fact, I would tell you if Kelsey loses the Super Bowl, we're going to start hearing backlash against all the commercials Travis Kelsey is doing. Once he got into the political realm, and he did with Pfizer and the double shots or whatever the hell he's talking about, he became a lightning rod. Patrick Mahomes is not a lightning rod. We don't get tired of Patrick Mahomes, but we're going to get tired of Kelsey. I don't think we're tired of Taylor Swift. I think the Swifties will ensure that there is no getting tired of. But let me ask you this. Do endorsements really matter? Do endorsements matter to anybody over 20, 24, 25? Do endorsements matter to anyone that doesn't put glitter on their face to go out to the club and spend $300 of their daddy's money on a credit card that they don't have for a $10 bottle of Seagram's? The answer is, damn, I hope not. I hope we're all smart enough. But hey, look, if I'm Biden, once again, you know what I'm doing, sign her up, Taylor. Hey, yo, slush fund, how much can we get to Taylor? Well, you know, Taylor's worth billions of dollars. It's really hard to pay off somebody. Nah, everyone has a price. We need her on the payroll. Can we get her a job? Can we make her like Secretary of, of State? Can we make her like the Queen of Dubai? What can we do? Ramaswamy, when he speaks, It's a little like me on this show. I've thought about things. You tune in to listen. I say things that I've thought about. If they're any way controversial or they're any way opposite or in a direct opposition to what you think, you immediately say no. And then you start thinking about it. And then you come around to my way of thinking. Not that I'm smarter. It's just my job to think about these things, throw it out to you, enlighten and entertain you. That's how I feel about Ramaswamy. When Ramaswamy speaks, I go to the chin. And you know, when I go to the chin, I'm doing some thinking. I put my frown face on. He knows something. I'm with him. Guarantee it. You're going to, if I were Biden, yes, I would have Swift. I would figure out some MILF on TikTok that has big influence. I'd pay her to endorse me. I want the suburban housewife. I would pay some young guy on TikTok or some young Instagram or Instaface or whatever the hell it's called guy, and I would pay him. I would do everything I could. You're not gonna sway people like me, but my vote counts just as much as a 22-year-old that you faked out, period. So you better go get him, Jolton Joe, and you know he will. These people are smart, these people are devious, but the most important thing coming up in this election, stay vigilant. Stay vigilant, Republicans. Go to where they're counting the ballots because you know it's coming. You know the cheating's coming. Speaking of you know it's coming, Draymond Green. Draymond Green thinks he got snubbed from Team USA. Well, Draymond Green on the Draymond Green Show had this to say. Let's hear from Draymond Green. When I came into this NBA, and I've publicly said this before, there was two guys I was starstruck by. One was Kobe Bryant, and the other one was Grant Hill. I grew up in the state of Michigan, Grant Hill, Detroit, Pistons. And so I wish that he would have just said that to me, you know, if, if, especially if you're going to say that publicly. And so it hurt me a little bit, like, from a fan standpoint
2: as well, I'm a big fan of Grand Hill. And if I got a call because some guys drop off that list that's
1: just unforeseen for whatever reasons, and then I need to fill a spot on that team, guess what? I'll be ready with my bags packed and go play in the third Olympics because I'm not too big to beat second. Yeah, but. When I came here's into this the NBA, and I've publicly said this before, there was... we played it again? Here's the deal. You can talk about Grant Hill all you'd like. Grant Hill's smart. Here, here's the deal with Draymond Green being snubbed. And he wasn't snubbed. He's just not good enough. But here's the deal. You know, the Olympics are supposed to be a place of great sportsmanship, all that stuff, and they've been tainted a long time ago. You remember the East Germans were doping. Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, everybody was doping. Okay, fine. And then all of a sudden, Olympic basketball got interesting because the United States started losing. 1984, Bob Knight went over that went over went to LA they won the they won the olympic gold medal with college kids everybody thought we're back john thompson took them over and we're in an embarrassment the nba said screw this 92 we're going to put the dream team together we're going to kick everybody's ass and all is going to be right with the world follow me here i'm going to get to draymond green those guys went over there and they were diplomats they won by 30 They captivated the town. Charles Barkley did some crazy Charles Barkley stuff, but he's lovable, so away you go. Draymond Green's not lovable. Draymond Green seems dangerous, and he seems to be whacked out. Follow me here. So, fast forward, the Olympics sent guys over. Allen Iverson and other guys acted like idiots. They embarrassed the United States on a national, international stage. They embarrassed the NBA. Fast forward now. The NBA got it back when Mike Krzyzewski came in. Mike Krzyzewski came in along with Jerry Colangelo and they got USA basketball right. Kobe played, Durant played, LeBron played. Everybody acted like human beings. Everybody acted the way you're supposed to. We're better than other countries. Go whip their ass and act like people. Now, It's a bit of a changing of the guard with USA basketball. And I'm going to ask Jim Boeheim this when he comes on at 10 o'clock because he was involved in this kind of stuff. Do you really want, in a league, Adam Silver, in a league, Grant Hill, do you really want Draymond Green and his stupidity, his antics, his dangerous play, his ignorance, representing your league in the Olympics, in Paris – On the biggest stage, on the most visible team, the answer is no. The United States already did that. They had guys go over, and again, I use Iverson and there's others, that acted like fools, lost, acted like idiots, did not represent the NBA or the United States or the United States Olympic Committee the way that they want to be represented. There's no way in hell you're going backward. There's been a lot of work. I had a chance to sit down with Mike Krzyzewski, and he was gracious enough, gave me two hours at his basketball camp. We sat in his office, and he just went over all the different Olympic stuff, all the stuff that he had to do. Johnny Dawkins was in charge of pre-practice because all these guys had trainers and, and, and stretching guys. There's a lot to it. But if you want this clown on your team, with antics every single night, and you worry about him being an idiot, not a lovable idiot like Barkley, a stone-cold idiot. You don't need it. Hell, I'd take the guy on the right right here, Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon has been in the league a 1,000 years. I coached Eric Gordon 100 years ago. Eric Gordon would go do the same thing Draymond Green does, and Eric Gordon, you can see the difference in the two right there. Eric Gordon's going to shut his mouth, and Draymond Green's going to act like a fool. You want that? No. And there's no way in hell. No way in holy hell Draymond Green can admit to being a jackass, can admit to being snubbed by and because of being a jackass. No chance, but he was. Look, Draymond Green is a perfect international supplement basketball player. He passes the ball. He defends all five positions. He can get under the skin of a hot team. He has no ego. He will rebound it. He can play as a four-man, a five-man, and lead the break. When he is on the team and he's not a clown, he fits on a team. He's got a personality that's bigger than the opposition, and that's what you want. You want the guys going over there that are bigger, not physically bigger, but mentally bigger than others. It was that way with Jordan. It was that way with Kobe. It was that way with Durant. It was that way with LeBron. He's, got all, he's the perfect fit for an all-star-slash-Olympic-type team, except who the hell wants to worry about that? Who the hell wants to answer after every game about that idiot getting thrown out or that idiot taking a cheap shot or that idiot taking a swing or that idiot causing some type of incident? And make no mistake, they become international incidents when they are in the Olympics, period. They do, Period. You don't need it. Now, Draymond Green's got his platform, and I don't know if you know this, but Draymond Green, since he came back from whatever the hell, you know, little uh, siesta he went on, already acted like an idiot with Anthony Davis. See, if I were Grant Hill and I were seriously considering Draymond Green, let's just say for the sake of argument, for the Olympic team, I would say, Draymond, let's meet. Let's grab a glass of wine, let's grab a coffee, let's grab dinner. Draymond, do you want to be on the Olympic team? Yes. Draymond, here's our concerns. And this is before the season. Draymond, we're going to watch you. I can't have incidents. Start the season, you watch. And maybe they did this. I don't know. I'm going to ask Bayheim. bayheim has been involved in all of this. I hope he'll be honest with us. But I would want to know. And I would want to watch. I don't want to hear. I don't want somebody looking me in the eye and saying, Yo, you know, I'll be good. I'll be, no, 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 no. I want to know what happens when something bad transpires. How do you react? And Green, even though he's been suspended, reacted in typical Draymond Green fashion. You can't have him on your Olympic team. You're talking about a sport that is trying to grow itself. You're talking about a sport that pimps itself out to China, for crying out loud. Pimps itself out big time. They want to be, they don't want to be, they want to be worldwide. And he ain't the guy to get you there. And good, good for Grant Hill. Good for USA Basketball for telling Draymond Green, I got you. I got you right here. Get out of here. White, black. We talk white, black a lot, don't we? On this show, we're not afraid to talk about white, black, because we judge people by the content of their character, Certainly not the color of their skin. Our life, my life, has been such that I don't care whether you're black, white, green, or purple. I care whether you're a jackass or not. I care whether you're a liar or not. I care whether you have any type of integrity or not. But we talk about it a lot in sports. We certainly talk about it a lot with Stephen A. Smith and guys of the NFL on ESPN. Well, It reared its head the other day, and I don't know I don't know whether this is race-based or I don't know. Maybe Stephen A. Smith, for the first time ever, might actually know something about basketball. Can't be that. But here's Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith talking about how great it was for Joel Embiid to drop 70 and how ball hoggish, ridiculous it was for Luka Doncic. Black, white. Here's Stephen A., chinless wonder. But in all seriousness, guys, in all seriousness, guys, Mike,
2: let's not go overboard with this. The fans want this? No, the league wanted it. The league well, wanted is the it. League well, well, I they say it's because of the fans. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm saying the fans don't want guys getting mugged and no fouls getting caught. Right. Okay. But the fans didn't want what we saw last night in Atlanta. Did you see that? You- this is not a situation where Carl Anthony Towns dropped 58 in the first three quarters and then disappeared. It was an APB out for him in the fourth quarter and all of this other stuff. But the 58 points he scored in those first three quarters, a lot of those points, he was being challenged. This is not that. What transpired last night in Atlanta was disgraceful. It made me feel like, I, I mean, let's just go out and get somebody that don't want. You don't have to play defense? All you got to do is play offense. You do have to play defense. That's what the hell took place in Atlanta last night. There's a difference. Don't tell me anybody wants that. No, you don't want to change it and go back to old times. But in the same breath, you don't mean for it to resemble the first three quarters at NBA All-Star no, Weekend, which bet, is what bet. last night looked like in Atlanta, Georgia. The Hawks, you should be ashamed of your damn self. You really...
1: Look, I like the NBA playoffs. I do. I I do. I don't like the NBA regular season. Luka Doncic wants to go get a million points. Go get a million points. It's the way the NBA is. In fact, there was a video of Luka Doncic. We can't show it it because it's in-game highlight. Takes the ball the length of the floor, steps this way, steps around three defenders, lays it in. Nobody even jumps. No, but – so in Stephen A. Smith's point, he's right. But that ain't Doncic's fault. That ain't. NBA players are really good. Like, they're really, really, really good. Like, they're stupid good. But NBA players, to me eh. – do we have another clip?
2: That's the only one.
1: Oh, okay. Well, NBA players, to me – To Stephen A. Smith's credit, and it's not just against Doncic, it's against everyone. Like, they ain't playing if they don't want to play, man. They ain't trying. Stephen A. Smith came to the other people in B defense saying he was dominant at 73, when he had 73, and Luka Doncic, it was disgraceful. Now, what Stephen A. Smith is trying to do, and I hate that I waste time on this guy, but it is interesting, He's trying to show his NBA brethren, the guys in the league, that he is down with their cause, which is Whitey can't play. Whitey can't play. It's kind of fascinating, really. I don't know if Whitey can play or not, but I know Luka Doncic can play, and that's not from Stephen A. Smith or anybody on my TV. That's from listening to other players. They're like, holy cow, this guy's unbelievable. And I get that. I don't know if this is racist. I don't know if this is code. I don't know. But it is the change that everybody wanted. I've been looking for the change. You guys haven't. See, people just wanna say, this is the change. We need change. All right. Well, one of the changes is guys like Smith can be blatantly or in code racist and we're accepting of it. That's the change. Racism without fear. That's the change. I'm probably being too hard. I don't know. Hey, uh, Aaron Spielberg, nobody wants your job. Now you're saying to me, wait, Aaron Spielberg, who's Aaron Spielberg? Aaron Spielberg is our guy, my friend, the executive producer of the entire Outkick network, the most powerful man in sports. Gary Schreibner and Aaron Spielberg are going to be the two most powerful men in sports in about 10 minutes here. But nobody wants the job as the head coach of the Washington Red uh, Commanders, 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 Commanders. Nobody wants the job. There's only 32 of these head coaching jobs in the NFL. They're, it's not like the steel mill in Gary, Indiana, where you go down there and they're hiring for the summer. It ain't like that. There's 32 NFL jobs. And this job, the Washington Football Commanders or Redskins or Football Club or whatever, has a song. Aaron, they have a song. Hail to the Redskins. Not every team has a song. There's history. They're playing in a fairly easy division. I know Philadelphia is good, but are the Giants? Dallas is good. I don't know. But nobody wants That job used to be gold, Jerry. Gold. It's gold, Jerry. That job used to be the schnizzle. That job used to be the shizzle, the hizzle, the fizzle, my dizzle. Now, you can't get, you cannot get Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions, to take the job. It's like the biggest win of the offseason thus far is Ben Johnson staying with a kneecap biter out in Detroit. Run it back, baby. Run it back. I was shocked by that. But you got new ownership. So it's not like, well, you know, you look at your phone and you're like, well, wait a second. Daniel Snyder did what? You know, if you get... um. If you get alerts, it would be like NFL, ESPN, or OutKick Alert, Daniel Snyder. Well, Daniel Snyder's not there. And by the way, my man Aaron Spielberg says he'd rather work in the mill. Come on. We got new ownership. The difference between being a head coach and being an assistant coach is awesome except game day. No, I lied except after losses. Then what you would rather be than the head coach, you'd rather be the 29th assistant down at the end of the bench. When I was a grad assistant, Indiana, my school, we would win, great, we would lose, great. Hey, I don't care, the poker game's at my house after the game. All of a sudden you become a full-time assistant and you're sweating everything out. And then you become a head coach and you're like, oh my God, I got terminal diarrhea, I can't sleep, I'm taking shots. You know, whatever. This is crazy. But you also get to go home when you want, Ben Johnson. You get to say, hey, look, meeting's over. Everybody, great time. Let's go. But but Aaron, they don't even want the job. Of the Washington Redskins. George Allen. All right, the world is weird. Run it back in Detroit. What world is weird? Carolina Panthers, new head coach Dave Canales, he wrote a book. This is really interesting. He shared inspiring stories of overcoming infidelity, alcohol addiction, porn addiction. Wow. Like that's pretty strong. I wonder if I could write a book like that and still get a job. Here's what Canales had to say. A huge part in the severed intimacy that I was experiencing with Lizzie, which is his wife, was because I was addicted to pornography. It was like a gateway drug for me, creating pathways in my brain that allowed me to use sex coldly for my own benefit. It was a secret, silent struggle that I had years before I was married. I applaud Dave Canales for doing this. I do. I applaud him. I do. But I got to tell you, get ready for it. I mean, get ready for it. What is it? Get ready for fans to have, well, understand, sympathy is between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. It just is. It is, I'm sorry. So, I'm glad you shared that because I had a friend lost his marriage, I did not know this until later, over porn addiction. I've never been porn guy. I just, I, I, I haven't been. But a lot of guys are. I mean, holy hell. Okay, fine. But to talk about it, have a book about it, as you're becoming the, a head coach in the most popular league in the world, outside of, I guess, the Premier League, man, that's pretty gutsy. But you better not whine, you better not, You better not whine when people come at you. You better not whine and say, man, they're being hard on me. They're going to crush you. Your own city's going to crush you if you lose. Mark my words, people just don't care. And empathy, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we got that going on. All right, college basketball last night. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to tell you. But you see that Indiana eleven last night. My Hoosiers, Indiana Hoosiers, got up a bunch, got stayed up eleven till halftime. Got down, and a freshman kid named Gabe Cups from the Michael Jordan spot, nineteen eighty-two Superdome against Georgetown, lifted up, drilled a three, put him in the lead. The story of the game, though, was a seldom used former Mister Basketball named Anthony Leal, a kid who truly, truly, truly cares about the program. Anthony Leal, a guy I talked about on my indie show, as if I'm the coach, I'm just letting him jack it up and shoot and let's go. Anthony Leal got himself 13 and was a great story. I want to share with you what Anthony Leal said, and this is something we can all learn from. It is. Anthony Leal, they asked him about being ready, even though he, Leal, didn't get to play much. I think. Just really coming to work every day and understanding, like me just putting this jersey on for practice, even that is more than a dream come true, Leal said. It's what I've wanted to do since I first touched a basketball. Now, whatever you think about college kids, rethink it based on Anthony Leal. Seriously. Rethink it. That's a great answer. That is fantastic. That is tremendous. Good for Indiana. Good for Mike. Mike Woodson, the coach, has played guys based on the NIL bag. They spent a lot of money to get these supposed superstars uh, to come to Indiana, and they're 13-8 and eight at Indiana. And we're celebrating a win over a team in Iowa who's 4-5 and five in the Big Ten, but I don't care. It was refreshing for me as a former Indiana basketball player, grad assistant, volunteer assistant, part-time assistant, full-time assistant, interim head coach. It was just refreshing for me, period. Michigan State beat Michigan last night. Now, here's the interesting thing of that. I was talking to a very good friend of mine who was very connected in the Big Ten who very easily told me that this is going to be it for Jawan Howard. There's so much stupid stuff going on in the background that Juwan Howard is going to be gone from Michigan at the end of this year. And literally, I shouldn't say this, literally, I've been told this. Everybody in that place is going to be happy. Don't discount John Beeline making a comeback. Now, last night, Tom Izzo and Michigan State just belly him. I mean, that's all they did. Michigan State came out, they dominated the action, they got it done, they won by 19. Question, Gritty, you'll understand this. Have I become the kiss of death? I gave you yesterday Indiana. I told you there's no way Indiana is losing to Iowa. If Cups doesn't make that shot, they probably lose to Iowa. But if ifs and buts were raises and nuts, everybody would have a Merry Christmas. He made the shot. Don't at me. So we all made money. But the deal is this. Here is where I wonder, am I a jinx? I've been touting North Carolina. I've been talking about Carolina. Carolina this, Carolina that. Carolina moved into third in my top five teams. Carolina goes to Georgia Tech. Nathan George makes a layup. Seconds to go. Next thing you know, Damon Stoudemire, in his first year as head coach at Georgia Tech, has beaten both North Carolina and Duke. How about them Apple? 74-73, in a game that was back and forth the entire time? And not only am I a jinx, it cost me a blank ton of money because I had a parlay that included Indiana a winner, Illinois a winner, Illinois State a winner, and all I needed was the third-ranked team in the country to win a damn game. Speaking of Illinois State, why do I talk about Illinois State? My son coaches at Illinois State, period. So Illinois State goes to Murray. Illinois State cannot make a basket. One for 21 on threes in their last game. Oh, for their first, I think it was 11. That's like one for 30-something. Down 17 on the road at Murray. You guys that know basketball know Murray's a tough spot. Whap, 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 whap. Five out of 11 from three to finish the game. What happens? You know what happens. Defense strong. Energy up. Shots going in. Let's go. Guess what? Illinois State comes back from 17 in the second half to win their third out of their last four. What a great night for the Dakich family. Right there. Indiana with the win. Yay, Rock. Illinois State with the win. Yay, ra. We won people money because a lot of you showed me that you took Indiana on the money line, including our Danny Z. It pays, baby. It pays to listen to us on, what is it, on the reg. Is that why you say it? On the reg? On the regular? I don't know. But good for Anthony Leal. You try, you keep battling. I've told every one of my friends that, look, tell your kid, don't quit, don't quit, stop with the quitting, no quitting, stop with all that, and just go bust your ass, all right? Last thing before we go, this is Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton signed basically a $260 million contract with the Pacers. He's in danger of losing $55 million because there is an NBA rule. That NBA rule says you must play in 65 of the 82 games to be eligible for bonuses of this nature to kick in. All NBA. Supermax deal are tied to all NBA. You saw Jalen Brown last year thank writers for making him second team all NBA. Well, here's what Tyrese Halliburton, who came back last night, played 22 minutes. Here's what he said. I think it's a stupid rule. Like plenty of guys in this league, but this is what the owners want. So, as players, we got to do our job, play 65 games if we're able to. That's what I got to do. Take care of my body, has to be able to play in those games. And I think you're seeing other players in the league kind of face the same thing as long as the owners are happy. Well, okay. All right, but the rule was put in because guys weren't playing even though they were healthy. It's called load management. It's not the owner's fault. It's not the owner's fault at all. It's the players. Look, you sign a contract, 250 million bucks. We're not asking you to split the atom. We're not asking you to run the country. We're just simply asking you to play a basketball game a couple, three times a week. It ain't that hard. I love Halliburton. He came back last night, played 22 minutes. He's a star. He's a great kid. I've had a chance to sit down with him. He's fantastic. But damn, it ain't the owner's fault. And this was collectively bargained. So don't blame the owners. The players agreed to it too. Players Association did. All right. When we come back, my friend, Mark Silverman, Sylvie from Waddle & Sylvie on AM 1000, we're going to talk about a couple things. And one of them, as a Bears fan or a Bears broadcaster, right now, are you cool? Ben Johnson coming back. And you got a choice, Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. I'm Alex
0: Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: Man, if you are in and around the Chicago area anywhere, you gotta tune in. It's Waddle and Sylvie. It's spectacular. It's every afternoon on AM 1000. Just get the app, tune in, and enjoy the rest of your day. I mean, it's common sense with smart people. Sylvie joins us now. Sylvie, I gotta tell you, there's only 32 NFL jobs. I'm old enough, you're old enough, to remember when the Washington Commanders was a pretty good job. I mean, they got a song for crying out loud. Ben Johnson doesn't go second year in a row. What what does that mean for the Bears? What does that mean for Washington, uh, Detroit? And what does that more mean for Washington? What does it say about Washington? You know, and they've got this uh, unbelievable committee, too, that
0: they've assembled, right? With, like, the smartest guys out there. Bob Myers was a part of that. And uh, Rick Spielman, who used to run the Vikings. That was a shock to me because I was a big fan, too, of Ben Johnson. I wanted him as a a coaching candidate for the Bears. Um, I think I've told you this before in one of my previous stops here, Dan. Um, I wanted Eberflus gone. And, and, you know, you warned me before about Eberflus. I thought they've done a nice job, the Bears, of assembling an offensive staff. But originally, I wanted Harbaugh here as the new Bears head coach if they weren't going to go bold and if they felt intimidated by how Harbaugh is, uh, I liked Ben Johnson. Um, I wanted guys like that, smart, innovative, offensive-minded guys. And and now that Ben Johnson is staying with the Lions, I think that's great news for the Lions because I thought one thing that was going to happen is you just get your heart ripped out. And I know you're a Cubs fan And I think it's easier said than done to think that you're just going to get back to where you were a year ago after a heartbreaker like that. And to lose a guy like Ben Johnson who runs that offense, to just think that Jared Goff is going to be as good as he is without an innovator like that calling the plays, to get him back and to turn down the commanders, I think if you're a Lions fan, you are so happy today and yesterday when you heard that news.
1: Yeah, we've seen what's happened with Sirianni, right? I mean, Sirianni lost his guys. Our guy here, Steik, and we all think is pretty good, you know. And yeah. we've seen success. Kind success kind of guts you. Speaking of success, I mean, it's 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 the question in Chicago, is it not? Do you want Justin Fields or do you want Caleb Williams? That's the is that that's the question, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I want them to get it right. I've not had him. I, I've not had it right, Dan, um, in my entire life. Like I think they got it right with Jim McMahon, but. And I told you this last time, look at McMahon's numbers. Like, it's shockingly small compared to what people really mediocre. think he was. And he, and he was always injured. Um, but the Bears have never gotten it right in my my years as a Bears fan with, with a uh, franchise quarterback. He, here's what I think, and, and I'm no scout. I think it's time to move on from Justin Fields. Um, I think they've given him shots. It's not been perfect. It's not. Um, I think they've done him dirty um, through several uh, offensive coordinator changes. I thought Matt Nagy did him dirty when they brought him in as a rookie um, and, and, and the way they developed him in his rookie year. Uh, I think he checks all the boxes. I think if you put on the YouTube clip, he will wow you. And the plays and some of the throws that he can make, he's built in a lab. But I don't think he's consistent enough I don't think he makes the throws with accuracy like you want i don't think he fits the sean mcveigh um shanahan offense like they they want him to fit in with shane waldron that's the guy they hired who is from that that style offense he coached under mcveigh for many years going way back to washington so I, look i gotta do my due diligence dan on caleb williams you hear a lot of stories but we've heard a lot of stories before from these quarterbacks. I just wrote a column here locally. Um, just last year, people were scared about CJ Stroud because of this dumb cognitive test where he scored 18%. You know, how did that work out for everybody? How did that work out for <laughs> Carolina? You know, there, there are all these draft stories, you know, the great Bill Polian, remember said of Lamar Jackson should be a wide receiver. So, you know, you hear all these stories, uh, Caleb Williams this, Caleb Williams that. So, yes, I want the Bears to do homework, but I just think he's, he's too good at this point to pass up with this gifted number one overall pick.
1: What would you be happy about? You mentioned moving on from Fields. That would entail a trade. What would you be happy to get in return for Justin Fields?
0: I think a second round pick is is fair. And, you know, I think the one thing that you've heard is the Sam Darnold package that the Jets got. um, I think it was from Carolina. And I think, you know, Darnold is not as good as Fields. And the Jets got, I think it's a second and a fourth. So, you know, Kuyper's thrown out that he still thinks the Bears can get a first. I'm not sure about that. Now, look, maybe it takes a desperate team. Um, You know, here's an intriguing team for you, Dan. Uh, Mike Tomlin, who's got a ready-to-win team in Pittsburgh, hired Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was was a guy connected with Justin Fields before when he was in Atlanta. That's a ready-to-win team. That's a team that doesn't have a quarterback right now that you can win with. If Pittsburgh's willing to give up what, like their late first-round pick, maybe that's the team. New England, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, um, those are the teams. Vegas could be a team, a match, um, but I, I, it only takes one, and and I think the Bears hold the cards where you know they could play these teams and say, look, we we could trade, we could trade the first overall pick. And we want to keep Justin Fields. And then they make it seem like they don't want to trade Justin Fields. And then a team could offer more for Justin Fields. And they're playing a great game of poker. Poles did it a year ago with Carolina. And he pulled off this great coup. Maybe he could he could fleece a team for Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, by, by the way, speaking of New England, what did you think? Uh, no Bill Belichick, at least not yet. Seems like that ship sailed. No Mike Rabel. What do you think? What happened here? I'm shocked. I'm shocked by Vrabel, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I am. I, yeah. I, like that I was Vrabel. another.
0: Like, yeah. Like that was that was again what what we talked a lot about, Dan, is this great free agency crop of coaches. And look at all the ones who are still left. Belichick's left. Um, you know, Harbaugh was the guy I told you that we wanted. So Belichick yeah. left, Vrabels left, Bobby Slowick's still there in Houston. Um, ben Johnson, we talked about uh, Tomlin is, could be a free agent next year. I think it would be stupid if they don't sign him. He's got to get that offense right though. Um, but, but a lot of the guys that we were talking about for that we wanted at, at the bears to go interview and get rid of Eberflus are all guys who didn't end up getting jobs or at least don't look like they're going to get jobs at this point. I'm really surprised by it. The one thing about Belichick, though, is if you hire him, and I know you're old school, so maybe you're going to look at me and you're going to swap me down here after I throw this at <laughs> you. He, he's a fun sucker. And, you know, with today's athlete, Where if you're not ready to win, and and I get it if you're a ready-made win team, and if you would take over Dallas, and if you would take over Philly, a ready-to-win team, and and yes, you you can go. But if if he's taking over in Atlanta, where you're not quite ready to win, you know, Brady and Edelman and other guys like that have said, yes, he won, and yes, they're grateful. But, man, he never, ever, ever made it fun for them. <laughs> no.
1: I right, you know. I, I, I talk – n- No, I'm not. No, I, I'm absolutely not. I understand. Look, I, I think all that goes out the window if the last four years he had taken New England to the Super Bowl without Tom Brady. I think that people would be like, look, I just want a good – thing," you know, but I, if I'm an owner – it's funny, I talked to a guy who coached with Belichick for about 15 years, and he was in the NFL for 35 years, and he's like, look, a couple things, Belichick is not going anywhere without complete control, and I'm not giving him complete control. And two, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a hell of a lot with him every single day. I'm, hey, I'm totally with you on it. it. Don't you agree the moment that Tom Brady walked out that building and he went eventually to Tampa Bay. We were going to compare. We were going to compare Brady against Belichick. Without Brady, without Belichick, Belichick, with, and the winner was clear. Sylvie, it was. It wasn't even close.
0: Not close. Not close. And
1: and that's the thing.
0: And when you turn it over now to Belichick, it's not like you're getting a spring chicken who you know is going to be around for a decade, and and right. you know you can do. It. So you saw Mac, you saw Mac Jones and you saw the way he wanted to do it when he started over, like you said, with his own team. So why is it going to be different if you turn it over uh, with the commanders or with Atlanta? So like Bill Belichick is fantastic. And I'm not I'm not going to take away that he's the greatest of all time, because remember, uh, uh, Tom Brady was picked one ninety nine. He had to develop him. He had to turn the reins over to him. And instead of going back to Drew Bledsoe, there was a lot that he had to do as a coach. It wasn't like Brady was the number one overall pick and he simply just rode the greatness from the very start. What Belichick did was amazing as a head coach. So I'm not taking anything away, but I understand why a team isn't turning over the reins to him now at 70 plus years old.
1: I agree. I know you got to run, my friend. I I can't thank you enough for getting up with us. Thanks, Sylvie. Appreciate you, man.
0: Anytime, Danny. You're the best.
1: Waddle and Sylvie, one of the iconic shows in Chicago. You can go just download the uh, WMVP AM1000 app, and you can catch it. It's great. Uh, They're just great dudes. Just absolutely fantastic guys, and I'm always appreciative of when he or they come on. Tommy's been on... Uh, 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 Sylvie's been on, and they just always bring good stuff. They bring smart conversation. Jim Boeheim's going to join us. I'm gonna, you know, he was involved in picking guys for USA Basketball. He and Sheshevsky straightened out USA Basketball, and I don't want Draymond Green on my team. I don't want to have to worry about Draymond Green when I'm over in Paris. I don't want to have to worry about Draymond Green acting like an idiot, creating an incident. I don't. Draymond Green's been complaining that he got snubbed by USA basketball, and particularly Grant Hill. Well, uh, Jim Bayheim, back in the day, I told you this before, USA basketball was great. Michael Jordan went over, Barkley caused some incidents, but it was always in good fun, it seemed like. Then, after the Dream Team, they started bringing schmucks. Alan Iverson, guys acting like idiots. You don't need that, particularly in a sport that's trying to grow itself. Uh, internationally, It's trying to make, take over the world, basically, is what the NBA is trying to do. So now you're going to go into Paris. Now you've got the most recognizable athletes at the Olympics are going to be the basketball team from the United States of America. I don't know. You tell me. You want Draymond Green smacking somebody? You want Draymond Green flailing around? You want Draymond Green running around the court acting like an idiot, twirling his finger? Who knows what Draymond Green's going to do? So I don't want it. And I'm really curious. I'm really anxious to talk to Jim Beheim and get his take. He may poo-poo it. I may be maybe dead wrong, but I'm not. Just think about it from your own standpoint. It's like uh, yesterday I had to do an onboarding. You know what onboarding is? Onboarding is when you're with a new company, and you know. So they were talking about you got to go through all this DEI training, sexual harassment training. I'm watching videos, all that kind of stuff last night. And they're talking about business trips. And they're saying, you know, if you are in a leadership position in this company, you need to make sure you understand who you're sending on a business trip. Because once you go on a business trip, you get in the airline, you get in the airport, you get to the conference, you get to the sales, whatever it is, they're representing you and your company. And you multiply that by a thousand when you're talking about the United States Olympic team. You do. You're talking about internationally. Regardless of what you do, you're representing two major, major, major biggest things in the world. One, the United States of America. And two, the NBA. Of course you're representing yourself and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, that's what you're representing. And you're telling me, based on his history. Now, perfect guy to play, international basketball, pass, Push the ball down as a big as a center. He can play center and push the ball down. He can guard the Euros. He can get under big guy's skin. We get it. But there is no chance in holy hell that I am putting him on any basketball team that's representing the United States and it's representing USA basketball. Are you crazy? Jim Beheim helped pick teams for the Olympics for a number of years. I'm gonna get his take on that also. His take on what the hell's going on in college basketball. I don't know if you saw this with Ed Cooley, man, but people in Providence went nuts when he came back with Georgetown. I love talking to Coach Boeheim. Let's get her done here. Coach Boeheim next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Perfect guy to have on today. He's a perfect guy to have on every day. He's a legend. Coach Jim Beheim, Coach, I gotta ask you. You guys, you, you, Coach uh, Jerry Colangelo, you, you straightened out. I would say at USA Basketball. Um, I'm watching Draymond Green. He's whining about not getting. He's get, getting snubbed. I'm sitting here going, Coach, I don't, I don't want to worry about his antics. I, I don't want to put him in a uni- United States uniform representing the NBA, which is trying to be worldwide, representing USA Basketball. I don't want to deal with that. I can find another player. Does that sort of stuff factor in when selection time comes? I don't know. I'm not involved right now. We had Draymond on
3: our team. He was fine. He didn't actually play a lot in Rio, but um, he was no problem. Um, I think when I looked at the list, I mean, they have, you know, Twenty guys that are great players or more on that list so you have to really wonder what usually happens is one by one they drop out for injuries or tiredness or something uh i do get the impression that more guys are looking to play this year but that's a thing that's managed you know sean ford manages that all year he's really the kind of team guy that deals with NBA players from USA and all year it'll change different guys in out every I mean you just don't know who's really going to be there until you get done with the NBA season and get to the summer so it's very difficult to manage that Uh, it looks like the best players kind of want to play this year and you really need them to play in France um the gold medal will be tough like it was last olympics we just got there um if the best players don't play it makes it very difficult in the world championship two years ago the best players didn't play and you know we didn't win the world has got too many good players uh for us not to send our best players so it looks like from the outside looking in that our best players are Looking to play this year, which will be very helpful.
1: But am I right about this? Like USA Basketball was a little bit of a mess, and then Colangelo, you know, put Shashevsky in there, you in there, and part of it was to clean it up, right? Straighten it out. Well,
3: there was problems prior to that. I think now USA Basketball is in a good place. I think it's just a matter of getting the best players to play. Uh, Again, I think Grant Hill and USA Basketball, uh, Nick, Jim Tooley, uh, you know, Sean Ford. I think they do an unbelievable job, but you still have to get buy-in from the players. We got that. We had the best players want to play and, you know, we won, but it's, it's still, there's really good teams out there who are the three best players in the NBA right now. Three three uh three foreign players, aren't they? Pretty much. Giannis, uh, you know, I mean Jokic, uh you know, Doncic. Jokic, I mean, uh, Luka
1: Doncic, all. Giannis. Yeah. No, I, I, I I'm with you.
3: We're fortunate that we have Embiid chose to come with us. Uh hopefully he'll be healthy, although he's had an ongoing knee issue and At the end of the day, in the summer, will he decide to play? And that's something you don't know. We have a good pool of players. We should be okay. Um, I'm sure a lot of guys are going to drop out, but we still should be uh, okay when it comes to the Olympics.
1: You know, I think I'm a jinx. I thought North Carolina in in college basketball was playing about as well as anybody. Like yesterday, I'm like, "Ah," you know, I'll go Purdue, UConn, And give me Carolina as the third best team. They go into Georgia uh, Georgia Tech and get beat. It's league play. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, huh?
3: You can't be surprised. You know, Georgia Tech beat Duke. They beat Mississippi State, and now they beat North Carolina. Um, It's college basketball is extremely close. And the problem we're going to have at the end, the net thing is crazy. It's not accurate. And it's being used in spite of what anybody might say. That's a, the major reason. And all you need to do is look at certain teams, certain conferences. If you play 11 non-conference games, eight against terrible teams and beat them by 40, people say, well, you only get a 10-point you know, uh, play in there in terms of yeah. margin of victory. But what they don't say is offensive – efficiency, defensive efficiency is important. And if you're winning by 40, your offensive efficiency is going to be good. And so is your defensive efficiency. So you can build your net up. And if you're in a a corresponding group that does that, then a lot of the games you play in your league are quad one wins. So you have three or four quad one wins in your resume at the end of the year, but they're all in your league. So your league gets in the tournament, and you get beat in the first round. So the net is very easy to artificially inflate, make yourself have a good net rating. If you play good teams in the non-conference and you lose, it, your net's going to be not as good. It's as simple as that, and uh, it, it's, it's just a bad Metric and it's being used way, way too uh, religiously in terms of determining who's going to be in this tournament. And uh, you, you just got, you just got to look at what teams are really good and not. And as far as the tournament itself, I think any of the top teams this year could get beat for second round, third round, maybe. That's college basketball. It's, it's really pretty. It's pretty close in terms of uh, the thirtieth team or the fortieth team, and the first and second teams. It's in uh, in the in the fortieth to eightieth teams. There's almost no distinction between. Uh, it's really hard to to figure college basketball right now.
1: Speaking of figuring college basketball, you, you're the perfect guy because you have a brain that is a basketball encyclopedia. It's a it's a history lesson talking to you. So I gotta ask you, in your time, have you ever seen, I'm, and, and if you have, who would you equate it to? A guy like Edie, who is just big. And uh, Have you ever seen anything like, I'm not talking about Jabbar with hook but just a big old, just big. You ever seen anything like this?
3: Well, he's big, but he also has really gotten better. I think you have to give him credit. Yeah. He's a much, much better player. I think Purdue's better around him. I mean, I had, they were my early pick and then I kind of moved to Connecticut, but I think they're clearly the two best teams in college basketball. However, I think they could get beat early because that's college basketball and a one game play in situation. Anything can happen. Um, I guess that's what's good about the tournament. It's what's bad about the tournament. Um, you know, the best teams aren't always going to win.
1: You know, starting in 1908, when you first got involved in college basketball, <laughs> do you think, that had you ever seen, because rivalries were hot, you and and Georgetown and Calhoun and Louie, I mean, but were you ever... Did you ever feel to be endangered? Like, I'm looking at what was going on in Providence the other day with Ed Cooley coming back, and I'm like, you know, we've all had people yell at us, but I, you ever felt like you were actually in danger on a road game?
3: No, not really. But what's, uh, what's ironic about Providence? I mean, Rick Barnes left, Rick Bettino left. Um, right. Pete, Pete Gillen left. And they didn't stay anywhere near as long as Ed Cooley or do anywhere near as much as Ed Cooley in resurrecting that program. And to see that unleashed against him, who's a, really a good guy. Everybody knows that. He just decided it, I, it really wasn't the money. He was making money at, at Providence. That, that wasn't the issue. He thought he needed a change 12 years. Sometimes you do. Um And to see that, I mean, that was, he handled it well. He he really did. But, you know, Providence has always been a tough fan base. I never really, I mean, it was probably one of the tougher places, I think, that we went in terms of the fan reaction to me or to the other coach. It was pretty hostile. But uh, Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a hostile place. They say things to you there. But we won there, so I always was able to walk out pretty happy. Uh, We won most of the time there. Uh, But it's a tough place to play. Coaches have left there uh, three or four times. And they weren't met with the hostility that that Ed was, was met with. But he handled it well
1: what's uh what one of the boys what what's their problem i thought dave Gavitt made that into a nice peaceful catholic university i i thought this was like you know utopia i didn't realize those New Englanders were that angry i didn't know that it's a it's a tough
3: place to play it's one of the i'd say one of the more hostile places when we had the big east rolling uh i would say it would be yeah i'd say it was the the uh, fans are, were not nice there. I mean, it's one thing to be loud. That's okay. But they they really weren't very nice there. And, uh, you know, you came right out right where the, they sell some of the most vocal fans were. So it, it's a tough place to play. I kind of like those places that you got going. You know, you're never worried about your team not being ready to play. They, you're going to be ready to play in that arena. And uh, so I didn't mind it. I kind of like those places. It's great when you can win there. Uh, you know, and no fans don't win games. I mean, they You know, Luke Karnasek has said it best. He when they asked him what arena was the toughest, he said the ones that they had the best players. <laughs> Those are the <laughs> toughest. Those are the toughest arenas to play in. Only Louie could say Boy. that.
1: <laughs> I, I got that is so true. You think about it like, man, it's hard going in to the Carrier Dome. Yeah, because you got Coleman and Douglas and Cycling. Oh, man, it's hard going to IU. Yeah, because Cheney and all, you know. No, look, you're exactly right. Do you like right now the Big East? Do you like where the Big East is right now?
3: Well, it's a good conference. I mean, it has been. I never thought it wouldn't be. Um, they had good uh-huh. basketball schools. They have a good good fan bases in every, every place um it's a really good conference they're smart and they're scheduling it's not a big you know they don't have terrible teams a lot of them sometimes you have 15 teams you have two or three bad teams it can really drag the conference down so they they've got good dynamics in how they the league is put together um really good league and uh I don't know what the future holds in college sports. I don't even think we want to get into it because it's a all around monster mess that uh, eventually is gonna lead to a breakaway of some kind. And I don't know where all these non power four or whatever we have conferences end up and how they figure out what NIL is uh, the, the employee thing that's on the horizon right now, which would be a disaster to have college athletes be employees for about a hundred different reasons. But somehow if we can get NIL somehow under control, which I don't think we can, uh, it would be helpful, but it's, uh, it's really quite a crazy, uh, Lance, landscape in college sports right now with the west coast coming east and all the different movements and to to really for what to just get tv money that's all because it there's not makes no sense to play ucla to play rutgers except for money and i don't think the money in the long run will matter that much because no matter how much money you get schools get from tv they spend it all anyway so they still end up needing more money.
1: (laughs) See, I blame you. I I blame you for the whole West Coast going East. You open the Carrier Dome. Stevie Thompson comes from California. You know, (laughs) Sherman Douglas is hiking balls through his legs to Thompson for dunks in the garden. It's like one of those deals where if Bayheim didn't start this West to East movement – the Pac-12 would still be there. I got to get Bill Walton on this. I think there's something to this. I think it's your fault. There's nothing,
3: there's nothing to that. All we did was encourage kids to come to different schools. And that was good that we weren't asking the presidents to come of these schools. Right, we were just right,
1: just right.
3: We're asking players. The, no, the presidents are very much in charge and they've decided this is what is good for college sports. And I think we'll look back someday and realize this was not good for college sports to break up the Pac-12 and move all these schools. Somehow they figure out football and basketball can play somewhat somehow, and then the other sports can play more regional. It would be better for sure. Maybe somebody can figure that out. I know people are talking about it. But, uh, I I mean, it's probably the hardest thing for West Coast basketball schools. West Coast football schools, it's one or two trips. They have the whole week to prepare. I don't think it's a big deal football-wise. Basketball, I mean, I guess UCLA would have to at least take three or four trips, to 2,500 to 3,000 miles. Travel and play Michigan on Thursday and Michigan State on Saturday, go home, play a couple games, come back, play Purdue and Indiana Thursday and Saturday, go back. I mean, I guess that's what they'll do. I, I wouldn't like to do it. I don't think it's good for players to make that kind of journey and then play games, but we'll see how it all works out.
1: Coach, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for the time. It's good stuff. Really good stuff. Thank you.
3: Crazy basketball year. It'll be fun in the tournament for sure. And uh, that's what we have. We've somehow got to maintain the college basketball NCAA tournament. It's still the best thing on earth. And it's actually I gotten agree. better because NIL and all the transfers balance out. It, even, it helps the middle teams. It helps the bottom teams. You said Georgia Tech won these games. Yeah, they grabbed a couple transfers that have really helped them. And even North Carolina, two transfer portal guys in the starting lineup that have really helped them. So everybody benefits from the transfer portal. Players benefit from NIL. If we can just figure out how to get it all under control, it'd be nice. And I know one thing. You and I aren't smart enough to do that.
1: <laughs> oh, God, I know you are. You are. You You are. I, I'm, I'm, dumb, I'm dumb personified. Hey, I, is there one team out there taking Purdue or UConn out? You mentioned – is there one team out there that you're like, you know what, that team's got a real shot. I like that team in the tournament. Is there anybody that just jumps out at you? There's
3: really nobody that I see like that. I mean, I think somebody will kind of come along. But uh, honestly I, I I just don't see it. I don't see a team like that. Um, somebody will come along, you know,
1: for sure. No, you know it. Yeah.
3: But I don't know. I we really can't tell. I, I couldn't I don't think I could even throw a guess out there right now <coughs> that I can see. And
1: this and this is a man that watches like nobody else. Coach, have a great rest of your day. Looks beautiful out there in Syracuse. Thanks, brother. Thank you, sir.
3: Thank you.
1: My wife always told me it's pristine in Syracuse. I'm like, pristine? What are you talking about? She's like, yeah, there's no wind, man. You just have fun. Thanks to Coach Bayheim for coming on. I'm with Coach. I'm watching, and I don't know who the hell is any good. I know the Purdue, I think, is really good. I know UConn's really good. And I thought Carolina, I still think they're really good. You go on a road, you're in a conference, or you're in a conference. It's kind of tough. By the way, congratulations on his birthday yesterday. Coach Tom Izzo got his 700th win. Man, guys like Coach Bayheim won themselves a 1,000 games. 700 used to be massive. I remember coaching with Coach Knight when he got 700. Like, holy cow. But anyway, yesterday uh, Michigan State went and whooped up on Michigan. Got a lot of problems at Michigan from what I'm being told. I don't really spread rumors on this show. Uh, but you know, the truth of the matter is Michigan better get it figured out. All right. Hey, let's do it. We got what the hell Wednesday coming up. This is incredible. Some of this stuff, you ready? Let's go. What the hell Wednesday.
2: This episode is brought to you by hyper the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology.
1: Ba-ba-da-ba, All right, you know, whale vomit is the key. If your lady smells nice, if your wife, your girlfriend, or both smells pretty good, you know what the key to it might be? Whale vomit. It's called amber grizz, known as floating gold. It's something of a treasure, and in the fragrance industry, it is, quote, an extremely valuable substance that's known for its unique scent and fixable qualities. That's right, the world's largest, the world's largest manufacturers of fragrances use whale vomit and sperm, it's from sperm whales. So next time you're smelling good, ambergris is produced to protect the whale's gut From sharp objects and over time is expelled and can be found floating in the ocean or washed ashore. It's credited with making a perfume scent last longer, last sharper, and it is very, very expensive. Go up to your lady next time she smells pretty good and go, Hey, what scent of whale piss or whale vomit do you have? And see how that goes, just for the hell of it. Just see what's going on there. Just see, hey, look, whale vomit. Looks pretty good. Uh, Who hasn't been there? Who hasn't been there with this? A man in Philly, suburban Philly, is charged with killing his neighbor after feuding over the defendant's snoring. Police have charged a Philly man with murder, they apparently got in an argument and it ended up with a dude being stabbed to death. They had said this, they had said and argued about snoring going through the connective wall. So the deal is this, you got a duplex. So I live here, here's a wall, you live on the other side of the wall. Well, Robert Wallace, apparently snored like a crazy person. So loud, in fact, that Christopher James Casey could hear it through his wall. Now you're like, what? Uh, So Wallace decided he was gonna remove a screen from a window in Casey's home. He opened the window as Casey was eating dinner. And after a verbal confrontation, Casey stabbed Wallace in the chest with a large military style knife. How about that? So I'm just sitting at home, I'm having a little dinner, next thing you know, it's stabbing time. I'm gonna go a-stabbing. Casey told them Wallace had not been menacing him or threatening him when Casey stabbed him in the doorway of Casey's home. They've been having personal issues for the past year and a half. There had been several police calls over Wallace's complaints about his snoring. There you go. Man. Here's what happened. 20 minutes of speaking through the window, Wallace appeared to calm down, wanted to shake hands and offered to help pay for nasal surgery to alleviate Casey's snoring. According to the affidavit, Casey unlocked the front door, holding a knife and stun gun under a blanket. Casey described Wallace as being very volatile, very strong. He's angry. He's that type of person. Casey said he did not believe that Wallace's intentions were to try to work this out and shake hands and fix this. He didn't think it was genuine. As a result, Casey decided to, to, quote, surprise him by stabbing Wallace with a knife. Well, don't go a-stabbing. Why? Why the stabbing? Like, why? Okay, dude, snoring. It's not fun. It's frustrating. I get it. I mean, look, if you've ever been anywhere where someone's snoring, you get pissed. You get pissed. You do. Okay. But don't go a-stabbing. And particularly don't go a-stabbing when you're going to be the only suspect, when it's like right there. I mean, if you're going to go a-stabbing, then do it somewhere where you can hide out and not be the number one suspect. (sighs) A uh, Kentucky City wants to let you know and let es- extra, extraterrestrials know that it's okay to come on down. And this is a big city. This is where the University of Kentucky is. This is the Lexington Convention and Visitors Bureau, Lexington, home of UK. They used an infrared laser to beam a message into space to invite extraterrestrial travelers. The first thing you'll notice as you descend upon Earth's atmosphere, this said, above central Kentucky, is the lush green countryside that surrounds Lexington's vibrant city center. That's our famous bluegrass, the message begins. This is an actual message going out to space. It goes on to describe gentle rolling hills, horse farms, bourbon, before suggesting places to eat, drink, and stop. That's awful arrogant, now that I think about it. How arrogant are we? We're assuming extraterrestrials speak English. We're assuming extraterrestrials understand our language. Don't we have like eight bazillion scientists on this extraterrestrial thing? Don't we have a bazillion people that are like, hey, we've studied this. Hey, we'll tell you they speak extraterrestrial. It's very arrogant. Listen to this. The effort was led by a guy named Robert Loder who is a native of Lexington. He's an expert in computer engineering, astrobiology, and search for ET intelligence. You ready for this? We brought together experts in engineering, linguistics, digital media, philosophy, and science fiction to design, debate, and transmit this message. It was sent with FAA approval and has a coded bitmap image. Pretty serious. What what do you think, let me ask you, These questions just jump into my mind. What do you think would really happen? And I don't know whether it's a flying saucer. I don't know whether it, you know, everything seems to be white or it seems to be gray. I don't know whether it's a gray spaceship. But what do you think if downtown Lexington, which is where Kentucky plays in Rupp Arena, attached to a hotel, I think it's the Hilton or the Hyatt, one of the two. What do you think if one of these ET machines just landed in the middle? Like just landed. Do you think the Visitors Bureau would be happy about that? I don't know. I think if an extraterrestrial landed in downtown Indy or Lexington or Louisville or wherever the hell you want Chicago, I think people would be in a panic. I think there would be running in the streets. I do. I think people would be insane. I think it would cause such panic that we would have riots. I'm not sure. So I always say this. It's one of my life's mottos. Be careful what you wish for. And having, I got a cul-de-sac right up here. Having a flying saucer land on the cul-de-sac might be cool, but man, I don't know. Uh, A Florida man, listen to this. This is smart. 77 years old in Florida, where all of, not all of, where many of the elderly are having the sex. This guy planned to misbrand erectile dysfunction drugs to a retirement community. Look, what this guy wanted to do was just say, look, these things will get you going. It's got to be in the villages. Yeah, it's in the villages. 77-year-old dream of becoming a Florida drug dealer has apparently been foiled. Reginald Odell Kincher of the villages, America's home and age-restricted community, could face time behind bars and federal, after federal prosecutors say he obtains $1,800 in erectile dysfunction drugs without a prescription from a licensed physician. He had plans to sell the product. What's the problem? He could go to a year in the joint and face up a fine of $10,000. He had plans, according to the feds, to redistribute these drugs to others locally and outside the state of Florida. They said that the information was only considered to be allegations, and of course, Kinzer is innocent until proven guilty. All right. Okay. He's had other run-ins with the law. He was arrested for multiple drugs, including Fizablib. I don't know what that is. Mary Joanna and MDMA. I don't know what that is either. So this dude's just a menace. Listen to this. The Villages is Florida's largest retirement community, and there is a myth that it's the STD capital of the world. The Tampa Bay Times reported in 2022 that's not the case. According to the report, the three counties, including the Villages, tend to have lower rates of sexually transmitted diseases compared to Florida overall. Well, that's really, really good news. I tell you this, though. I tell you this: the villages does look like a little bit of fun. And as I get older, what the hell? I mean, you can't pry me out of my house here in Indy. You can't pry. These dead fingers are going to be, you know, wrapped around a remote control or something. I don't know. But hey, the villages seems like a good time. It does. Sorry, it just does. Uh, last one: a Florida man is suspected of smelling women's feet at a library. And he led police on, wait for it, a scooter chase. What is it with feet? Seriously. Florida International University, which is in Miami, a dude, 52 years old, Eddie Wan, was arrested and charged with violation of sex offender registration, fleeing and eluding, reckless driving, assault, and resisting without violence. They warned students that a man was spotted under a table at a campus library. What? So a dude's under a table at the campus library. The man matched that description Friday on a scooter miles from campus. They tried to stop him, and he took off. So this dude was hiding under the the desk. You know, you go to the stacks at the library. You just want to get a little studying in, and next thing you know, someone's sniffing your feet. And then you go on a scooter chase, Florida's nuts. We'll be right back. Jeez, people. We'll be right back. Gotta take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't wanna miss it, stay tuned.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending,
1: You know, this is something I don't really get into. I, I, I don't know whether the COVID vaccine is the all-encompassing vaccine, meaning it could help Travis Kelsey play through an entire season because he's vaxxed, and the unvaxxed Aaron Rodgers got hurt for it, plays in. But apparently Anish Ja, former White House COVID-19 response coordinator, thinks that it's funny and ironical that Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles tendon. I don't get into this season due to the simple fact that he isn't vaccinated. But of course, of course, Aaron Rodgers, well, Travis Kelsey, excuse me, got through the whole season because he's vaccinated. And, and they're back in the Super Bowl. I've said it before and I'll say it again. These COVID vaccines really are amazing. Travis Kelsey vaccinated and headed to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers not vaccinated and hurt in his first four games. I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt here. All right? I am going to say to you that this is tongue-in-cheek, that this is facetious, that this isn't – that this is not true. This is not happening. Okay? That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that nobody, whether it is Don Lewis or Anish Ja, neither one of these people – are very serious about this. So let's just keep it at that. But you see this all the time, right? You see, my God, it's everywhere. Holy hell. I mean, you know, you know, he got vaccinated. He played the whole season. You know, Rogers didn't get vaccinated and he tore his account. It has nothing to do with this. You know, Dylan's not here, but a lot of guys and gals that work on this show and at OutKick are big Tennessee fans. I got to ask you, Tennessee fans, a couple of things. What are we doing? Like, you cannot swing a dead cat without Tennessee football being investigated for something. I mean, look, I don't understand this, and I'm going to at some point, but I've actually asked people. I've said to people, hey. What are the crimes of NIL? What could you possibly have done? The last year they were penalized for infractions, Tennessee was, within the football program. Here comes another major probe, and I'm going to try to explain this. They had 200 rules violations last year, last summer, they answered to. All right? They declared that the case was one of the worst that they had seen. Okay, fast forward. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. It included 18 level one violations, around $60,000 in impermissible inducements. Okay, fast forward. This latest case, details aren't really being told. The school acknowledged that the NCAA was investigating. Much of the investigation appears to be centered on the man with one name, Nico, stud quarterback. Nico, uh, I'm a Vela, I don't even know. All I know is he's the stud quarterback. He supposedly got millions of dollars to come to Tennessee. What's the problem? What's the problem? I don't know what to tell you the problem is but they're saying this is serious, there's level one violations. I mean, everybody that comes on here, everybody that looks at Indiana Twitter sees a bunch of dudes called the Hoosier Hysterics that are running a collective. This is all very public. So you tell me, how in the hell is there anything? I'm not going to sit there and rip the NCAA on this. I'm going to rip the fact that we changed our system to what media and student athletes or whatever the hell wanted, and there's no rules. So all of a sudden, there's rules. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. But I'm anxious to see what comes out of this. Florida State is being investigated as well. I'm anxious to see what comes out of that. I mean, all of a sudden, you're telling me every single human being in college athletics, that's inside college athletics, that has come on our show, says this is pay for play. I'm telling you, I'm going to get you $5 million to come here to play, or a million, or 20000 or 10 bucks. I don't know. Hell, the kid that played great for Indiana yesterday after the game, Anthony Leal, said, hey, if you need a realtor, I'm your guy. He was doing promotions for his business. Hey, go to Mother Bears and get the Leal deal. All right. But there's something wrong here. I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it for one freaking second. Hey, you know the squad, all these cool chicks, man? (laughs) The squad's a bunch of, I guess, younger women that have come into Congress. And Cori Bush, who is just a big old gal, she's under criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, the DOJ, for allegedly misusing funds meant for private security. Uh, And she married one of her bodyguards. See, you got to understand the squad. The squad ain't not want, I'm using their language, we ain't not want police. We want to defund the police. But Cori Bush, she decided, yeah, well, uh, defunding the police is for you guys. I'm for defunding the police. I'm for leaving the public up to its own to defend itself against criminals. But I, Cori, big old Bush, want security. So she, according to the Department of Justice, misused her funds. Now, you know what she blamed it on? She blamed it on the ultra-right coming after her. I was surprised she didn't blame it on the ultra-white. Ultra-right and ultra-white sounds a lot alike. I was shocked that she didn't say, well, Whitey's coming to get me. Whitey of the MAGA party is coming to get me. They don't want me around here. Look, I, I don't give a damn if Cori Bush is around. I don't give about, uh, if Cori Bush is not around, I don't give a damn. But I got to tell you, she's a freaking idiot. She says she used campaign funds to hire protective services in the face of relentless threats to her life, physical safety since becoming a congresswoman. She said she hired her husband as part of the security team using campaign funds as security. I mean, the sisters always got a scam going. Good for the sisters. They always got some kind of nonsense going. They do. Between her and that Talib and Omar and uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And she'll win by a million. She'll win by a million. They're reviewing her spending on security. I hold myself, my campaign, and my position to the highest levels. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. Shut up. To fund the police, she says. But I need security. (laughs) Don't build walls, they say, except well, Bel Air, except for all the most liberal towns with the most money. Eh, we may need a wall. Don't at me. Am I the only one? I had a friend that says it's two separate things: building a wall to keep uh, dreamers out and building a wall around your house. Yeah, whatever. I mean, people will always make excuses. Amen. I got to give Nick Saban a little bit of credit. He's hanging out with Usher. He's hanging out with rappers. See, here's the deal. I have told coaches this, and they have poo-pooed me, and then they've come back and said, man, you're right. I have told coaches there's life out there. I've told coaches there's good life out there. I've told coaches, actually, there's great life out there, meaning once you figure out you're no longer coaching – You're golfing with Usher. You're golfing with whoever you're you're a celebrity still. It's good to be Nick Saban. I always said this about Bob Knight. God rest his soul. I always said he didn't really want to coach. He just wanted to be treated like Bob Knight. He just wanted to be Bob Knight. He just wanted to walk through airports and people say, coach, coach, coach. He just wanted to be able to golf with kings, which he did, the King of Spain. And Saban, I'm sure... I'm sure, is in the exact same deal. I'm sure. You want to be – look, Urban told me I – I, one time we were talking, you miss coaching. He goes, I miss being treated like the Ohio State head coach. I do that. Speaking of being treated, I'm going to jump a couple here, fellas. Uh, do we have – somebody in my ear let me know if we have the shot of LaMelo Ball cracking up with teammates when they lose. If we do, I'd like to see that one. But think about this. You got a private plane. You're all excited. We're all excited. Why are we excited? We're excited because, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go to Vegas in our private plane for the Super Bowl. Uh Uh-oh. What? We can't go? Why not? Well, Las Vegas, private plane, parking, sold out. That's right. Vegas only has, like most places, everything's finite. It's not an infinite number of parking spaces. Vegas only has an infinite number, or excuse me, only has a finite number. Well, guess what? That number is sold out. Taylor Swift doesn't need to worry. Taylor Swift's going to get there. Taylor Swift is going to get from, I think it's Japan, to the Super Bowl. We'll find her a spot. Hell, park in L.A. and helicopter over. Drop her off. Look, the smartest guy that I know in broadcasting is Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale does all these speeches. He puts the money over here, and then he spends it on private planes two games. He does not fly commercial. Uh Uh-uh, he ain't doing it. No. Private planes are a luxury most of us can't afford. But damn, I'd be pissed I'd be really pissed if I was going to Vegas, and I'm a billionaire, and I'm a big shot, and away we go. I wouldn't be happy at all, not even a little bit. Uh, uh, surfer and legend, one-armed legend, she got bit by a shark. You remember her, Bethany Hamilton? She weighs in on trans athletes. Male-bodied athletes should not compete in women's sports, period. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that we got to have this conversation? Isn't it amazing? Male-bodied athletes should not be competing in female sports, period. Now, some guy says men shouldn't be competing in female sports, period. No, you can't do it that way. Because the the lunatics are going to argue that, you know what? I'm a woman. I feel like a man, man, and there we go. Or I'm a man and I feel like a woman, even though I have a PP, and I still wanna compete against women. In fact, Leah Thomas wants to go compete in the Olympics. I say let Leah Thomas try out for the Olympics as a dude. Your accomplishments are great. We're, we're gonna give in, Leah. We're gonna give in to you. We think you're awesome. Yay, Ra, go fight, win. Make the Olympic team if you can. We're going to give you the opportunity, and we're going to give you the opportunity as a dude. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think Leah Thompson will bitch, whine, and moan. And I think Leah Thompson should bitch, whine, and moan and go away. Look, nothing says STDs, strip joints, more so than an All-Star weekend. Here in Indianapolis in a few weeks... We got All-Star Weekend coming, which means there'll be shootings. There'll be many babies. There'll be STDs, lap dances. The Red Garter will be popping. Brad's Gold Club, unbelievable. I think there's PTs down the street from me over here. It'll be incredible. Well, at least in Toronto, where the NHL All-Star Game is, they're ready. They're ready. Welcome to NHL All-Star Week. Free lap dances for all 2024 NHL All-Stars. This is a tweet from Adam Lascarias. 2024 NHL All-Stars, you get a lap dance. You got to show us an ID. You know, they're going to have Google out. Uh, Nicholas, you will go, show us out okay, yeah, you made the All-Star team, away you go. I'm not mad at it. Hey, look, if I were smart for the NBA All-Star weekend, I would Airbnb my house. Some idiot would pay 10 grand for it, but then I got to fumigate the whole thing. I do, and who wants to fumigate your house? I just like my house, but I guarantee you we can make about 10 grand for the weekend, but I don't want to do that. Who the hell wants to do that? Not I. Let's do it! Wokadope! I love the hat. You know I love the hats. I love the hats. What are we doing? I see me. I don't see Dope. I got three Dopes here. Donde está. I can keep. Oh! Oh, the gas stove. Man, is this a real picture though? This would be an insult to me. Now, I understand that I am not military grade human being. The guys that wear the fatigues are way beyond me. But isn't it, if I were my cousin, Jerry, who's a major, I'd be like, yeah, Biden, uh, you shouldn't be wearing them. Seriously. I mean, you're kind of a disgrace. You're kind of a liar. You're kind of a putz. Yeah, but I get it. Hey, a real threat to our democracy. And then they always say this. If you follow the science, if you follow the science, a real threat to our democracy is the gas stove. Somebody explain it to me. I don't even care. I don't care. Can you imagine 20 years ago, Somebody showing this picture and going, what the hell does this mean? No, it's a gas stove. Oh, what do you mean? No, 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 it's a problem. What do you mean it's a problem? Well, it's a threat to democracy. It's climate. It is? Yeah. Uh, Somebody, I'm sure, will say a gas stove is a sign of entitlement. It's racist. Sleeping is racist. Why not a gas stove? Next! 10? $10,000 Thousand dollars worth of barbed wire at the border. Hundred and thirty billion in arms for Ukraine's border, isn't that unbelievable? Ten thousand dollars. We're going to put barbed wire in on our own little border as our age, our our, our our what is it? Commander in stupidity says that he could stop right now if he wanted to. What's going on in the border, but? We got to pass legislation. There's no legislation. Get these guys out of here. We spent $10,000 on barbed wire. Look, while $130 billion in arms goes to Ukraine. And by the way, I would like an answer for this because I always ask this question. Has anybody anywhere, anytime seen any footage of this war in the Ukraine? Like when's the last time you saw footage of a war in the Ukraine? Anybody got one for me? Anybody see one? Is it there? Is it anywhere? Of course not. What is happening here is a disgrace. It's not. It's not unexpected. It's not a surprise. But it is a stone cold disgrace. $130 billion. Well, you know, if Ukraine falls, how do you believe any of these people? They tell us that every 10 years there's going to be a flood because of global warming and we're all going to die. They tell us every 10 years that 10 years from now there's something going to happen to us because the science backs it up and it never backs it up. So how are we to believe that this money is actually going anywhere based on who's telling us where it's going? Drives me nuts. I've told you and told you and told you. It's the only time in my life I've never wanted to pay taxes. I don't love paying taxes, but I'll pay Blessed to live in this country. Son of a biscuit maker. Next! Man, drive you crazy. Remember that Biden and Reilly? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Man, just flood into the border. Look, give us your homeless, give us your degenerates, give us your criminals, and let them all come in. You're given me a stone cold freaking headache, period. Period. All right, before we go, you know, yesterday I gave you a really, really good tip. I do. A really, really, really good tip. You know, the deal was take Indiana last night and I took them with plus money, I did. I took them with plus money because that's a game like we're celebrating here in Indiana like they actually beat somebody, right? Like I was like 500 in the league and 500 across, you know, everything and all that kind of stuff. And it's great. It's fine. It's good. But the fact of the matter is, uh, yeah, it's just a little bit of a win. Well, tonight I'm going to give you another one. I told you Indiana was going to win last night. I did. I can't decide on a couple, but I'm going to give you this one. You ready? I'm going to give you – I'm going to take Purdue, and I'm going to move this line to 12. It's right now at 13-and-a-half. I'm not going to give 13-and-a-half. They play Northwestern. Northwestern beat them. Northwestern is one of Purdue's two losses. They lost at Northwestern. Boo-boo, he was throwing in shots. I mean, it was chaos. I think Purdue comes out against a good Northwestern team. Northwestern's not bad. I think Purdue comes out, and I think they take this game. Maybe it's 8, 10, whatever. And I think they end up winning somewhere 15 to 25. Somewhere 15 to 20. Something like that. I'm going to bet it. I'm going to give the third. I'm going to give 12. So I'm going to pay a little extra juice. But I'm going to take Purdue. I think Purdue rolls tonight. Hey, we got to go. Clay's on here next. Clay is going to do a live show right from here. So thanks to everybody. Hey, join me coming up at noon. I will be on 1430 the ticket in Indy talking all local Indianapolis including the Pacers lost last night, IU's big win, and Purdue tonight. See you tomorrow.